Hi, this is Oren. If you find these teachings useful and you'd like to learn more about my work, you can visit me online at orenjsofer.com or on social media at orenjsofer. Thanks so much. <clears throat> I think this is so cool. <laughs> so I want to clarify something that Donald said. The Buddha does actually instruct us to be mindful while speaking in a few places. He's pretty clear about that. He says, be mindful when you speak. He says to reflect on what you want to say before, during, and after to see if it's going to be skillful or unskillful. So there's that invitation to reflect, which implies mindfulness. And then in another sutta, he actually says uh, quite specifically, in terms of the Eightfold Path, one is mindful to abandon wrong speech, and one is mindful to enter and remain in right speech. This is one's right mindfulness in relation to speech. So it's right there that, that we use mindfulness to discern, to, to um, be aware of when the mind is moving into wrong speech and when and how to enter right speech and stay there. But what, uh, what's not there is the specific instructions on how to do that. We get uh, many templates for the ethical guidelines, and we looked at one of them yesterday in some depth for, well, what is right speech, and how can we have a structure to start to evaluate what to say and what not to say and where it's coming from. But there's not a whole lot of guidance beyond that on how to really make this practical and bring it into our life. And so that's where the development of this training in wise speech, or sometimes we call it mindful communication, comes in. And this first activity that we just did is a very basic format for <clears throat> like having a laboratory, you know, really starting to investigate and take apart what's going on when we're in front of another human being, right? How much do we actually forget about the words? How much do we actually practice just being aware and in our body with another human being? It's, it's intimate, right? It's vulnerable. So much stuff comes up. Just, just doing that. So it's an incredibly rich ground for exploration, for learning, and for transformation. I want to offer a little bit of an overview of this sense of what is mindful communication. How do we develop the capacity to realize our intentions in our communication and our relationships and to stay aware and connected to these guidelines for uh, right speech, for being ethical and caring and kind in our words and interactions. The first thing I'll, I'll reiterate that Donald said is that this is uh, an advanced training. I call, I call it a high-order skill. Communication is a high-order skill, which means it takes more basic skills to a, to a different level. For example, we all know how to tie our shoes. That takes some 
uh, manual dexterity, uh, kinesthetic awareness, sensory awareness, right? We can't all play the piano. Very similar skill. We add in the capacity of listening and refine that skill to a much higher level. You can make beautiful music. Okay, so playing the piano is a high order skill in comparison to tying one's shoes. So skillful communication is a high order skill. We all know how to speak. I think everyone in this room, our ears function, right? We can, we have that capacity to hear. If we didn't, maybe through sight or through braille, we could, we could receive information. But have we developed it to this other level? So to get to that level, if you go back to the analogy of learning to play the piano, what's it take, right? It takes practice. You have to train. You put in a lot of hours of playing scales, learning how to form, how to hit the keys right. So in the same way, it takes training. And one of the reasons I think this is so cool is that here we are in this beautiful space with other human beings who share uh, the intention to learn about this stuff and the time, the time to actually look and explore it and practice. So the process of learning these tools is one of making small incremental adjustments. And this is really important to set our expectations appropriately. So if you picked up the piano, not literally, if you, <laughs> if you decided you wanted to learn to play the piano, you wouldn't expect to be playing you know, a Chopin prelude within six days flawlessly, right? So um, the development of a high order skill happens slowly with small incremental changes. We learn over time. So um, over the course of this week, focus on the insights that you have, the small incremental shifts that you notice. And even in this first interaction, I'm guessing that most, if not all of us, had at least one insight or shift of, oh, wow, look at that. I didn't realize that. That's powerful. That's important. If you stay with it, if you really allow it to uh, become clear in your mind and continue to come back to it and integrate it into your, into your life. So what is mindful communication? What, where are we going here? <clears throat> So the first point is a point that Donald has already made, which is that we have to be here to really hear one another, right? We, we, can't, we can't actually communicate if we're not aware. So usually when we think about communication, we think about listening and speaking. But actually there's this um, underlying component of awareness or presence, or Donald was talking about inner awareness, right? That this, this first foundation is actually being here. And if we're not here, then where are we? Right? We're lost, we're on automatic, we're in our thoughts, and we're not really able to hear one another or access our intentions. So the, um, the training in mindful communication, that uh, the way that I talk about it and teach it uh, is as a training in three different foundations or areas. And 
very excited. Uh, I have a book coming out at the end of this year in December called Say What You Mean, A Mindful Approach to Nonviolent Communication, and it's a really thorough exploration of this system and more. So the first foundation is training ourselves in presence, which is what we're focusing on today, what we were focusing on yesterday, just in our silent meditation practice, developing this foundation of inner awareness, and then learning how to bring that awareness into relationship with another human being, and then specifically into speaking and listening. So presence is uh, a synonym for mindfulness. I like to use the word presence because it has a connotation of embodiment. Mindfulness can get very heady. So presence is essentially embodied awareness. Present time embodied awareness. Lynn, you were asking, does it mean reflecting or thinking? It's just that sense of being here that can then be applied to or include anything and everything in our experience. And there are many ways to develop presence. We've begun to explore this aspect of relational awareness, having inner and outer awareness at the same time. After I finish the overview, we'll talk about a few other ways in practice, uh, to, a few other ways to develop presence in dialogue. So once we're here, the next foundation of our training is our intention. Where are we coming from? And we can use our mindfulness to begin to be aware of our intentions in speaking. We started to explore this yesterday, even in looking at the, the four ethical guidelines for right speech, to say, am I coming from a good heart, right? When we're on automatic, we might not necessarily have a negative intention, but uh, unskillful intentions can creep in a lot more easily. You know, um, intentions to be right, to win, to dominate, to control, to manipulate, sometimes even intentions of cruelty, to make another person feel bad, to punish them in some way, right? Uh, intentions of anger, or um, to puff ourselves up, right? To be, you know, seen as the best, things like this. And so there's a whole training in, similar to training in presence. In training in presence, we start with our internal practice of meditation, sitting and walking, reclining, standing, developing a base of inner awareness and then bringing that into relationship. Similarly, with intention, we have the, the practice, the technique of loving kindness and the associated qualities of the Brahma Viharas, which we'll talk a little bit about this afternoon of compassion, joy, and equanimity, this cultivation of these beautiful, mature emotions in the heart. And so we can cultivate those in our own meditation practice and then take them as a foundation for our relationships and our speech and our listening bringing them into dialogue. And so this is another area that we'll be exploring and looking at over the course of the week. The third area, so we're here, we show up. We're coming from a, a wholesome intention. The third area is what are we paying attention to? What are we actually 
focusing on or thinking about or looking at in a conversation. And so this is where the training of nonviolent communication comes in, what we attend to in a conversation. So just a few words um, about nonviolent communication now, and I'll share more about it this afternoon. Most of you have read read the packet, which has that uh, wonderful overview of NVC, which was written by my colleague and friend, Mickey Kashtan. So Marshall Rosenberg uh, grew up in Detroit in the 40s and uh, lived through the race riots where dozens of people were killed and also experienced a lot of anti-Semitism against himself and his family as a, a Jewish man in, in Detroit, and these experiences had a very strong impression on him and left him with a powerful question of uh, how come some people resort to violence when their needs aren't met? And other people are able to stay connected to some sense of care, empathy, compassion, to actually still see one another's humanity, even in trying circumstances. And so this question uh, became kind of like a life exploration for him and led him to study psychology. Uh, He was a student of Carl Rogers. uh, And out of his studies and explorations, eventually uh, what he discovered was that there are certain ways of thinking and certain ways of speaking that make it that make violence seem like a viable strategy when our needs aren't met, based on how we think. If we think in terms of right and wrong and blame and punishment, then when our needs aren't met, violence makes a lot of sense. But if we think and speak in ways that are based on an awareness of human emotions and deeper human needs, then it's much easier to stay connected to compassion and to find other creative options to collaborate, to work together to meet needs than resorting to violence. And so he developed this system of communication that he called nonviolent communication, specifically to place it within the the context of the work of Mahatma Gandhi and Dr. King. Because he saw this tool of nonviolent communication not just as a form of personal transformation, but actually as a force for social transformation. And seeing that our societies are structured around ways of thinking and perceiving, that our governments and our schools are structured around ways of thinking and perceiving that lead to oppression and violence, that lead to domination and abuse of power rather than sharing of power. And so the system of nonviolent communication is a discipline of training our attention. It's a way of training our attention to focus on four components of human experience. And when we are aware of these components of human experience, it's easier to see one another's humanity. And so those four components of experience that we'll be exploring this week are first, observations, clear and specific uh, data of what's actually happening in our environment. What's happening? The second is feelings or emotions. 
So how do I feel about that, what's going on? On the inside, not our stories and judgments and blame about it, but actually the felt emotions in ourself or another. And then why? Why do I feel this way? What matters to me? What are the actual deeper human needs or values that uh, are underneath the emotions? We feel things for a reason. If we didn't care, we wouldn't feel anything about it. So what are the underlying needs or values? And I know there was a question around the difference between those, which we'll explore more uh, tomorrow. And then where do I go from here? How can we move forward together? Can we make a request? Okay, so these are the four components of training our attention. The whole system of nonviolent communication, the aim is not about what we say. It's not about using the right words. It's not in what we say. It's in where we're coming from. The quality of our awareness and our consciousness, that's what nonviolent communication is about. It's about transforming our, our, our internal understanding and relationship to experience. The words are an expression of that. They're an expression of it, and they're a tool to help uh, catalyze that inner transformation. Because when we start to change the way we speak and think, that starts to change our consciousness and our perception, and then they fuel each other, they support each other. So the purpose of nonviolent communication is to create a quality of connection that supports enough understanding for us to work together. I'll say that again. The purpose of nonviolent communication is to create a quality of connection that supports enough understanding that we can work together. In whatever the context is, whether we're colleagues or lovers, whether we're legislators or activists, okay? Now that degree of connection and understanding is going to the, the degree that's necessary to work together will change based on our relationship and our context, right? If we're housemates or you know, romantic partners, there's a different level of connection and understanding that's required to really work together than if we're colleagues or organizers. So these are the three foundations of mindful communication, training and presence, and the, um, the task here is to learn how to lead with presence, how to have that as a foundation and to keep coming back to it. The second is training in our intention. And the task here is to come from curiosity and care, to bring these qualities of interest and kindness into our relationships. And then the third training is training our attention in the system of nonviolent communication. And the task here is to focus on what matters. To learn in any situation how to discern, okay, what's, what's really important here? What's, what's going on? Is it the emotions to kind of like show up for that? Do we need to clarify what happened? We have to get a little bit deeper and figure out what the needs are. So this is an overview of what we'll be exploring this week. And for the rest of the morning, I'd like to continue this exploration that Donald started into presence, bringing our inner awareness 
into a balanced relationship with another person. So first I want to I want to talk a little bit about a little bit more about presence, embodied awareness, being here, right? We need to be here in order to hear one another. So let's just do a little brainstorm and uh, we can use both mics. What does presence do for us in our life and our relationships when we're here, when we're aware? What are the benefits of being aware in our life? And um, we can just take turns. Anyone who wants to, to share something, let's just kind of uh, explore the benefits of this, this capacity for presence. Shakti has a has one. When I'm more aware, I can make a choice. Beautiful. Thank you. The more aware we are, the more choice we have. Huge, right? What else? What else does presence do for us in our life? When I feel my presence, um, it feels really solid, mm. grounded, mm. and stable. Great. It just feels really good. Great. So there's, a, there's kind of, it's just a source of well-being. Yeah, when we're here, that gives us access to well-being. And for you, there's that sense of solid, grounded. And then from that place, I can open up and be available to connect, to offer myself. Wonderful. So well-being, and then it makes us more available to connect with others. Yeah, Sylvia. Uh, When I'm present, I can hear better. Yes. You have more space to listen. Other benefits of presence. Less reactive. Yeah, less reactive. And I'll build on that by saying, I think that both of what you're saying, I can hear more and I'm less reactive, both of those, in, in my view and experience, come from the fact that when we're present, when we're here, self-aware, we have access to more information. So I can hear more, I can take in more information from the other person. And I get more information about what's happening for me. If I start to get reactive, I notice that. I notice the thoughts. I notice that my breath is getting tight or shallow or my fists are clenching. or I'm starting to kind of like space out. So I get more information and then that allows me to have these benefits of hearing others being less reactive. What else? What are some other benefits of presence? Yeah, Neil. Yeah, there, there's also an element of communicating from a place of your own authenticity that you can deeply know your own needs, your own feelings, your own intentions. Beautiful. You communicate that. Yeah, yeah. It's a really powerful doorway to being authentic. And so, 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 so both to knowing that authenticity, discerning what's true, and to sharing it. Thank you. Astrid. Also, I feel like in the long run, being present allows for fewer regrets in the future because when we're not here, we miss on so many things. This is one of the most precious and profound benefits of presence. It means that we're actually here for our life rather than sleepwalking. Yeah. Yeah, continue. I don't know if you've um, said it already, but I feel the presence has 
made me uh, put more power um, in impermanence because I'm not hanging on to something that does not exist, yes. um, whether happiness or sadness. Because mm -hmm. if I live in my mind, mm -hmm. then I'm not uh, able to see what's happening in yeah. front of me. So yeah. just to keep myself open to the gifts of the present yes. yeah. is important. Yeah, it leads to insight. We see things more clearly, and that changes our perspective. Yeah. So one or, one or two more, Janet. I think for myself, I guess I'd say I'm more resilient to handle stuff when bad things come up that I'm not like back or into the future, you know? Absolutely. It's, uh, it's also the, um, the gateway to resilience, really, because that's where resilience comes in the moment, right? This, this well of, of a capacity for healing and strength and um, metabolizing difficulty happens in the, pre in the present moment based on the stability uh, and depth of our awareness. Yeah. Last, just, last one. I just have a question. Sure. Um, so when you define presence, you define it as being grounded? No. Okay. I haven't gotten to those yet. So I just defi I define those are ways of cultivating presence, which I'm going to talk about right now. So, the, so presence I defined as embodied awareness. It's a synonym for mindfulness. It means being here, being right. here and aware. It, it integrates body awareness, heart awareness, and cognitive awareness. It's a, it's a, it's a complete experience. Does that make sense? Yeah, I'm just in, imagining a conversation where you feel very present yeah. in a triggered situation exactly. and you feel the trigger Yes. and you're very present. But you might not be grounded at all. You might be exactly. freaking out. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, presence doesn't mean, so this is, this, is, um, this is a very important point. Presence doesn't... Presence doesn't mean feeling stable. good. <laughs> yeah. It means you're being aware. Very present Sometimes it feels good. Yeah. But it's, it's, uh, it's flexible. It means being real. It means being real, being honest about what's happening. Sometimes we're distinctly ungrounded, right? We can be present with that. There can be a sense of awareness and connection with any experience, okay? Yeah. So let's send the mics back. Maybe last comment. One thing I learned from both of you is that if I'm present... Um, the phrase I learned from you is, if I'm present, I have a better chance of making the appropriate response. Yes, thank you. Absolutely, that comes back to the, what Shakti was saying, that it gives us choice, that we can respond rather than react. So pretty valuable in our life. Pretty valuable. So how do we cultivate more presence? specifically in our relationships and our conversations. So we are each fortunate enough to have found and made a connection with, uh, with meditation practice as a wonderful uh, tool for developing presence. And now we're here together for the week exploring how to build on that foundation and bring it into our conversations. So... These uh, five uh, points that I have on the chart are a few different ways to cultivate presence. And we'll be, we'll be working with these 
throughout the week. Um, relational awareness is what we've already started with, the exercise that Donald just led us in, of exploring this capacity to be aware inwardly and outwardly and to see how that can shift. And this is something that we're going to keep coming back to all week long. We've already explored being grounded in our body. So developing the capacity for embodied awareness through sitting meditation, through walking meditation, if you have any kind of um, a movement practice, Tai Chi, Qigong, yoga, authentic movement, Feldenkrais, there are many, many ways to develop embodied awareness. Okay? And then that becomes another form of training in dialogue. Feeling your hands, feeling your bottom, carrying a stone or something tangible as a way of bringing us back into the moment. When we're aware of sensation, we are, for that moment, present. Because sensations don't exist in the past or the future. Only exist now. Another dimension of being of body awareness that um, we can use, and I've been using this for years, but I just just now in the activity we did became aware that I use it as a reference point. Is the experience of vibration while speaking? If we're aware of the body when we're speaking, you can feel the vibration in your larynx, the throat, <coughs> often the torso or the chest. So this in and of itself is a way to bring embodied awareness while speaking. So the next set of, of tools or practices are about actually the process of dialogue. So pausing is a wonderful tool for bringing presence into speech. And a pause can be anything from that long. You probably didn't even notice that I paused, just, just a beat between words or phrases can be enough when we've practiced to, to ground, to come back to ourself. To a full breath, as I just took, right? If you speak publicly for any reason in your work, pausing is a huge gift to give yourself being able to take your time. Pausing, it could also be taking a break for an hour a day or more. It could be a long, really long pause. Okay? Sometimes relationships will take a pause for a month or a year, right? As we practice with pausing, we also start to learn more about how to use our pace in conversation. How to use the pace of our speech to regulate our nervous system to draw a listener's attention and hold it. So if I feel that the energy in the room is getting a little sleepy, I can start to speak a little bit more quickly and change the, the tone and the pace of my voice. And maybe you even start to notice that you're feeling a little differently based on how I'm speaking, right? This is because we are empathic creatures and our nervous systems are connected. So we, we learn how to use speech as an instrument of expression and connection. And when our intention is wholesome, we're using that for good. Because we can, we can also use speech for harm. Very powerful medium. 
And then the last, the last tool up there is what I call choice points, which again we've mentioned, which is this basic capacity to choose whether to speak or listen. Do I open my mouth? This is perhaps the most fundamental and often underutilized communication <laughs> skill, not speaking. In spiritual communities, however, it's often the most abused. In many spiritual communities, we hide behind silence. We pretend that everything's fine. We don't speak up. Right? We hide behind a veil of calm and love when inside, right, there's resentment and anger and bitterness. Right? So it depends on where you are on that spectrum. Right? So I want to do some more practice using this very simple training format of having a partner and using structures to do an interpersonal meditation. And I want to practice uh, building on this inner and outer awareness with, with pausing and our pace of speech. So as, uh, as we did before with Donald, I want to invite you to uh, mindfully stand to begin to walk about the room. And then find a partner. When you're standing with someone, go ahead and find a place to sit down together. If you don't have a partner, raise your hand and look for someone else whose hand is up in the air. Anyone else need a partner? Great. So find a spot to sit. And just begin by establishing some inner awareness. You can close your eyes. Feel the body sitting. And just take a few moments to establish some awareness in whatever way feels natural and authentic to you. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.